Hey listeners, we just wanted to give you a quick warning before the start of this episode that this episode of Babylon 5 had some suicidal imagery in it, and we do discuss that a little bit within the episode. So if that's going to be something that's difficult for you, you might want to skip this one or skip that part when we come to it. Thanks. Green. Purple. Purple. Green. No, purple. Purple. Bureaucracy. Tell me about it. Now, if I may ask, does this torment end when you leave? Welcome to Who Are You? This is a Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two friends who have gotten to know each other and will continue to get to know each other over the show Babylon 5. I'm Jafer. And I'm Laura. And today, Laura, I get to ask you, what do you want? You still haven't answered my question, Ambassador. What do you want? What do you mean, what do I want? What do you want? Do you really want to know what I want? Do you really want to know the truth? Does that answer your question? Well, I have a very sinister proposal for you, Jafer. Yes. This is like a, a bonus episode idea that I want to run by you. Okay. We talked last time about how you were getting some of those Babylon 5 trading cards. That's your big I, want. I, I bought two boxes off eBay and they yeah. get here in about four or five days. Yeah. And I can't wait to see them. <laughs> but speaking of games, my husband found and downloaded the, you know, I guess it's pirated, but it's the Babylon 5 role-playing game. <laughs> and i know that you've got to have some friends who would be interested in that right a hundred percent without even messaging the ask um <laughs> i i know that we've got some people especially if we do it on the discord mm -hmm. uh we could we could do, we've got a couple of people that are kind of regulars on the discord i'm sure we could invite who are listening to this right now and probably like, oh, yay, or oh, my God, no. Um, both of which are acceptable. <laughs> it does look fairly complicated. So, you know, I've, I've skimmed it a little bit. And I will admit mm -hmm. that I have not done role-playing gaming before. Okay. I have a great desire to. You know, I've definitely gotten into the Dungeons & Dragons podcast verse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, very much so. Very interested in it. We've bought a few of the Dungeons and Dragons books. My son loves to look at it. He used to call the um, the monster manual, mm -hmm. uh, the monster menu. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're little, you don't always have total grasp of your language. Yeah. So this one, it looks like it might be kind of complicated, but I'm thinking that it could be really fun. And, you know, maybe it's just something we do just for fun, but it could be yeah. maybe recordable. Who knows? That sounds fun. Um, there's probably a little like starter adventure. Usually... Usually they have a little like thing that's like mostly pre-planned for you. So it'd be yeah. pretty easy to put together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm here for that. That sounds fun. I, I think there's a board game out there somewhere too. Yeah. And I would love to get my hands on that because I have a, a good friend who is a big board gamer. He's like board gamer with, with blogs and stuff. And he gets mm -hmm. sent like sample board games and stuff to do reviews. And I would love to get my hands on that. And you know, make him play through it with me because I know at least he would. Yeah, that sounds uh, fun. 
but he did actually look into it for me. And those board games are very rare and very expensive if you can get a hold of one. Okay. So if any of our our listeners have it, I would love to just know you have it. That would be great. (laughs) Please email us. Just letting (laughs) us know that this exists out in the wild. Mm -hmm. Who are you? B5 at Mm gmail.com. Yeah, that'd be great. It's funny that Aaron uh, pirated the uh the books because i was looking for them a couple weeks ago i have a um kind of i believe i described it as an antique nerd store last time yes Mm -hmm. where they had the packs of cards and i was upset about the price of the packs which i have since found is actually not that bad considering the price i just paid for the boxes but I was, that was one of the reasons I went there was they have a bunch of used RPG books there and another place that's kind of nearby has a bunch of like trade in your old RPGs. And I'm like, oh, please, someone have traded in the Babylon 5 game mm-hmm. digging through stuff. Yeah, he, I think he did look to see if he could find a physical book because we're not, we don't pop straight to pirating in our family. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, but he was like, well, you know what? This probably like 30 years old now and like if it's been out of print for 30 years and you've got no way of easily or even not even just easily if you have no way of acquiring it without undue hardship Mm -hmm. uh you shouldn't feel bad about it yeah yeah so we i will email that over to you so you can take a look at it (laughs) please do yeah all right Well, do we want to get into today's episode? Yeah, we've got season two, episode three, The Geometry of Shadows. Yeah, we have kind of a long opener on this one. Did you notice that? I call it out a page into my notes when we finally get out of the cold open. Yeah. Yeah, it's like five minutes before we hit the theme. It is. There's a lot of cold open here. And we open in MedLab is the first bit with Franklin examining Garibaldi's injury. Yeah, he's poking him in that gnarly scar. He's almost ready to return to duty, but he notes some apprehension. He trusted Sinclair, but he doesn't know Sheridan. I don't know you! He doesn't feel fit for duty, given a security chief who missed the person closest to him being a traitor. Yeah, I I get that feel. We cut to Londo getting his hair did by Veer, while a Centauri (laughs) by the name of Lord Rifa presses him about his handling of the situation in Sector 37. Yeah, Rifa notes the emperor is dying and has no heir, and plans are being made to fill the vacuum. Lando considers this Rifa madness. I'm glad we didn't have the same joke. I'm glad we That's didn't have good. the same joke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he considers it treason if they fail, but commits to the work to be done. I love how Londo won't reveal how he pulled off the slaughter of 10,000 people without using any of his government's resources. And Lord Rifa doesn't find that suspicious at all. Not even remotely interested <laughs> in questioning it. Yep. The cold open continues with some green Drazi fighting some purple Drazi to theme. Yeah. Classic bar fight breaks yep. out. Back from theme. Londo wishes Lord Rifa well at Space TSA. Rifa promises to try and convince his associates Londo is the sign they've been looking for. And then speaking of signs, <laughs> Londo also spots a delegation of three technomages among the arrivals, mm-hmm. noting that to see one is rare and seeing more than one is a bad omen, um, which for some reason 
doesn't put him off at all from trying to curry their favor. Yep. So we have uh, Michael and Sura here is playing Ulrich, our lead techno mage, mm-hmm. who you might recognize as Kang in the original series, Deep Space Nine and Star yes. Trek Voyager. I was going to mention that he's got some good sci-fi credits. He also was he in Lost in Space, mm-hmm. Buck Rogers in the 25th oh, century. Cool. Yeah. I don't know that, you know, he might've been just a guest actor. I think he was in those as well, mm-hmm. but you know, those are some good vintage sci-fi credits. For sure. We cut to Sheridan's office with this awesome exterior shot. We haven't seen this shot before the exterior of the captain slash commander's office mm-hmm. with like the window looking in. we've seen them looking out the window, but we've never seen looking in at them in there. I loved this shot. Yeah. That's one of our really good, like up the special effects this season. Mm-hmm. Ivanova is explaining the situation with the Trazi, who is then promoted and told it's her problem. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and he toasts her with some orange juice. You couldn't at least slip a little champagne in there, my, <laughs> my good sir. But this is fun because he's mentioned before his love of oranges, and it comes up twice in this episode mm-hmm. as well. Which makes me just think of our flag means death. Which, by the way, if you haven't watched Our Flag oh Means Death, yes. it's so good. It's so good. It's I love so it. It's so good. If it does not uh, get a second season, that is a goddamn crime. <laughs> I'm going to be so mad if it doesn't get a second season. That show is <laughs> so good. Okay, then we get a brief scene with some of the Technomages doing some CGI mm-hmm. and find Londo at the bar. Veer is trying to get him to keep his appointment with the Abai delegation, but Londo pulls him into a, relig- a religious discussion. So I thought that Veer's answer to this religious question about do you believe in fate was very unexpectedly wise and something that Londo should absolutely have paid attention to. And he does not because he says something about, you know, the the currents that you think you want to go with are the ones you should actually fight. And the ones that you want to fight are the ones you should actually give into. And I'm sitting there like, this is for you, Londo. <laughs> you it's, needed this. This is for you. And he goes, bah, just give me a yes or no. And it's yeah. like, oh, you've oversimplified it, my dude. Oh, it's too bad. Too bad. But he mm-hmm. wants Veer to go and pitch his idea that he wants to get an endorsement from the techno mages. He orders Veer to arrange a meeting with them which causes him so much anxiety that he drinks the rest of Londo's drink and immediately faints. Classic Veer. Da, 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 da. Cut to Garibaldi's quarters where Sheridan comes to visit. Garibaldi says it would be easier if he resigns. Sheridan agrees it would, but that's not the point. He reaffirms wanting Michael for the job. So long as he wants it in the first place, it's his decision. He needs to decide. This is a good scene for the two of them to have. But it's Mm -hmm. also very weird to be loading and unloading your gun in the dark. (laughs) That's what Garibaldi's doing. It felt very contemplating suicide-y to me. Yeah. And I think it was very pointed that Sheridan picks it up and holsters it. Yes. Like, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. And I don't want you to do that. I read some notes and Jerry Doyle was just like, that's not really what I was going for, but I guess you could see it. And JMS mm-hmm. had said something along the lines of, I definitely wanted you to consider it. So <laughs> it's not definitive <laughs> by any means. Sure. It definitely feels off. There's definitely some deep 
contemplation happening by Garibaldi and the fact that he's toying with a pistol while he does it is yeah. uh, understandably unsettling. Yeah. After this, we cut to the council chambers where Ivanova has gathered some of the Drazi. They explain that they literally just fill a barrel with sashes, pull them out <laughs> randomly, including the leader sash, and whoever gets it, gets it. Yeah, I wrote in my notes that Drazi elections are more arbitrary, question mark, question mark, question mark, and <laughs> honest, question mark, question mark, than ours. <laughs> uh, yeah, given our current gerrymandered two-party system, this doesn't sound so terrible. Yeah, right. Uh, we're two Americans lamenting politics. Uh, <laughs> to make us a theme song for that whenever we do it every episode. I'm really sorry, everyone. Uh, but not. I think it's a universal feeling that we can all relate to these two drowsy in a way. I was just going to say, she tries to demonstrate to them by switching and they jump the one guy who got switched. Yeah. Gets jumped by all the former teammates. Um, there was a lot of JMS's notes about what he was trying to say about this very specifically. Mm-hmm. Because at the time this was being written, there was the conflict in the early 90s between the Croatians and the Serbians. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this is directly referencing that. He was he's just writing like, this at them. He's writing this at them. He wanted to make a ethnic war seem as absolutely stupid as possible, mm-hmm. was his mm-hmm. direct quote on this. Um, yeah, I, I see it. And it, he makes it light and funny, which is kind of what you have to do with these things. Yeah. To get them to worm into people's brains. But I think it's very effective. And now tell me, did you read anything about like Ivanova's injury in this? Yes. Yes. So um, I read about it online, but where I found the best source of information was actually in those episode guides. I bought at that used bookstore a couple months ago where it had Claudia Christensen actually telling the story of how she broke her foot in it. Uh, because it was during the filming of this episode, like during the time frame of the filming, but not on set. Right, right. So she did not break her foot in the stunt. Originally, she was supposed to beat up a bunch of the Drazi here and just be a badass. Oh, <laughs> dang. That would have been fun, too. She broke her foot at home in her garden, chasing a bird, <laughs> doing a ballet leap over some of her yard furniture to try and catch this bird for some reason. He's like, I don't oh know gosh. what possessed me. I'm not a ballet. Like I've never done a pirouette or anything, but this is what I did. And I landed and I broke my foot. And so this stunt was actually performed. Her getting tackled was performed with her having her foot broken already. Oh, ooh. and she that described that experience as terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the stunt guys who are done up as Drazi know her foot is broken. So they're trying to make it work, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not refracture her foot here. Um, oh, man. Yeah. That's scary for everyone. You don't want to be is. the person who rebroke the foot. You don't want to be the person with the rebroken foot. <laughs> yeah, it sucks all around. But they made it work and yeah. it services the plot and it moves things forward. Yeah, it really does. I was like, that's that's how you might make life work with your art. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in down below, what seems like down below, Veer is attempting to approach the Technomages with Londo's request, and he incurs the wrath of their CGI. He bravely stands his ground, and Elric breaks the CGI and asks him what his master wants. Elric mm-hmm. has big Yule Brenner energy. Like, For sure. And you know why he has why? big Yule Brenner energy? This man 
was in the Ten Commandments with Yul Brenner. Oh, hey. <laughs> I went into his Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that this is normally the thing that I research a bunch too. And I didn't. I literally saw, oh, he was Kang. Check. Moved on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kept looking because I thought he was fascinating because apparently he was one of these actors that this was a thing in like early Hollywood. I say early Hollywood. I don't know when that really is, but like mm -hmm. I'm thinking of fifties and sixties specifically that he's a Lebanese man, but he played a lot of native Americans and Westerns. Yeah. Uh, that's which was the thing. Yeah. Mm. It, it was the thing at the time. I consider that a systemic failure, not a personal failure on his part. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I don't know that Hollywood was capable of hiring a native American back then. Right, right. So, you know, I don't Ugh. hold this against him, but he was also in a bunch of these like biblical drama movies, one of them mm -hmm. being The Ten Commandments, which I always found that movie fascinating. I don't know if you ever watch it when it comes around at Easterish time. When I was a kid. I just think Charlton Heston is freaking fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a household where he was my president. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> interesting, dude. Yeah. Interesting. That's a good word. Anyways, yeah, Veer is just completely unshaken by the CGI monster. He's just like, dude, my boss uses his dick to cheat at cards. Like, I have seen worse than this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good quotable. <laughs> but I work for Ambassador Malari. Yeah. In the end, he tells Veer not to meddle in the affairs of dragons, for he is crunchy and tastes good with ketchup. <laughs> I've got a bit before that. Because Elric, when speaking to Veer, says the Technomages have nothing to say on this side of the Galactic Rim. But that's a circle. That's the edge of the galaxy, right? So mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. just say you don't have anything to say in this galaxy? Why would you word it like? It's just, I don't know, it felt very awkward to me. Hmm. I have nothing to say mm -hmm. on this side of the Galactic Rim. It's all like, you, you're one, you're talking. Two, you're talking about leaving the galaxy. Yeah. That's that's a long way, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> so Franklin tells Ivanova and Medbay that her foot is broken in three places. She's going to have to wear a cast. Sheridan arrives to ask her about her next move. And she proposes maybe trying to find a nonviolent way to structure the conflict to which Sheridan offers his full support. Veer tells Londo that the Technomages are leaving and Londo does not want to take no for an answer. Uh, meanwhile, Garibaldi and Lou catch up. When another Drazi fight comes up, Londo goes to Sheridan to offer to be the representative of Babylon 5 to the Technomages, having relevant cultural experience and history with them. Uh-huh. Sheridan is rightly suspicious of this, but he says the Earth is curious about it, so he's going to, to ask them about their migration. This is one of those spots where I was thinking about how this would have been different if this had been Sinclair in the... Yeah the captain's chair as it were even though Sinclair wasn't mm -hmm. a captain whatever yeah because I don't think that Londo can pull this off as easy with Sinclair because Londo has already shown his ass to Sinclair <laughs> <laughs> you know is it when they had yeah. to go running around the station trying to find you know essentially the prostitute who stole all Londo's stuff like yeah uh, <laughs> I I think he you know you can't write this the same way if Sinclair is there and it's not Sheridan. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, I feel like Sinclair would just be the representative himself. He is a lot more of a diplomat, especially at this stage. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. 
And then when Sher when the Elric arrives in Sheridan's office, I feel like Sheridan is a little unnecessarily antagonistic with him. And obviously we're kind of like dropped in in the middle of the conversation, but mm -hmm. Sinclair would have not started off, you, you assume he wouldn't have started off so almost hostile to Elric. Yeah. So meanwhile, we find that Drazi violence on the homeworld has escalated to them killing. Mm -hmm. Ivanova goes to the council chambers to find a bunch of purple Drazi unconscious. Yeah, presumably dead, right? They might be dead. There wasn't like, I wouldn't expect there to be blood uh -huh. because of, I don't, there's not a ton in this show mm -hmm. of blood. So I wouldn't expect there to be, but they might be dead. They might, they might just be unconscious. Yeah, maybe so. Because at the end, she does say that some of them are going to jail for assaulting an Earth Force officer. You would think that others would also be going to jail for murder. So, yeah, <laughs> who knows? Let's try to assume that they're not dead yet. In Sheridan's office, he's getting snippy with the techno mage, but Elric knows his rights mm -hmm. and says he's not going to tell them where they're going. Londo arrives with a drink and a bug. But Elric yep. is having none of this. Yeah, he hides a pencil cam just like Noho Hank. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he gets caught on camera lying, then gets his own camera fried. Sheridan yeah. is pissed. Technomage is pissed. But now they have a common enemy and bond over that. Yeah. So they kind of de-escalate. So Lando actually kind of saves the day here. In a way, yeah. But it's, it takes some Herculean levels of hypocrisy to get there. Like, yeah the audacity to stand there and say how dare you record my conversation while you're recording a conversation is just <laughs> mind-blowing just mind-blowing you're like how dare you <laughs> <laughs> but sheridan and elric walk through the zocalo and elric explains their whole deal so techno mages use science to achieve the effect of magic and this reminded me of that speech jakar made where he referenced, referenced us to ants on yeah. the flower in reference to other aliens in the universe. And Elric tells him that the Technomages possess knowledge that it's too important for them to keep this knowledge here during the dark times that are to come. Yeah, he wants to know if Sheridan believes in magic. Mm -hmm. Of the human heart, you build four stations when the first won't start. <laughs> That's very cute. Uh, I couldn't get focused and made manifest of technology to fit in that rhyme scheme, but I tried for like you 20 tried. minutes. Oh, well, you've gave it a good effort. That was still cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he leaves Sheridan with an orange blossom in his hand in reference to Sheridan's earlier story about his grandfather's orchard. And now mm -hmm. we know what his whole deal is with oranges. So I thought that was cute. Yeah. So uh, Elric admits he knows the secrets of all kinds of stuff including 14 words to make someone love you forever. Mm, yeah. Uh, I think I think I know these 14 words. Oh, do you? I do. You want to um, give us give it a shot? I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. You've always been yourself, and that's perfect. Also, I already ordered pizza. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is, guys. Got it. Ladies, gender nonconforming folks, go go with that. Do what you will. <laughs> <laughs> what are the seven words to make someone go without pain though i i did not try to guess 
I'd, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on yeah. seven words to make someone go without pain. He's so majestic, this man. He is. I really thought when he was younger that he was Yule Brenner. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to Aaron and he was like, Yule Brenner would never. He would never demean himself to being on TV like that. <laughs> in a show with everything but Yule Brenner. It's like, oh, good point. <laughs> that whole golden age of Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. Those people were movie stars. They were. I watched Westworld recently, like the original with Yule Runner. Oh, wow. From the 80s. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Do you like mm. the normal show Westworld? Well, I, the normal show, the HBO premiere television experience that is I Westworld. I, I know of it in the universe, but I have not seen it. It's great. Hey, um, you would be proud of me. I saw yes. Big Trouble in Little China for the first time over the weekend. Oh, that's a great film. <laughs> that's a that's one of the all-time classics. John that's Carpenter. Not, not a podcast note, but it it gave me serious like the the soundtrack gave me serious like Chud. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah, John Carpenter. He does all the music for his movies and that was the joke yeah. I made when we listened to Chud. Yeah, yeah I was like, it was okay, the now I get it. 13 theme. Uh-huh. <sighs> Okay, where were we? We're getting... Avonva goes to talk to Green Leader, standing by, who then proposes spacing the 2000 Drowsy. Yeah, just straight up genocide. Yeah. When she refuses, they pull a K-tar on her, which was unexpected. Um, I was not expecting the uh, Drowsy to have a Indian dagger. (laughs) Like... Well, maybe they just admire other cultures. Yeah, like to to assimilate a little bit of what works for others. <laughs> I just I I found it to be interesting, you know. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a very kind of awkward, weird weapon. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's weird to see it in space. Yeah, well, the Drowsy seem to be a a special group, as we'll find out later. So Garibaldi runs into Lou Welch and others on the security team who say they have an uplink from Ivanova regarding this Drowsy meeting. Garibaldi is immediately suspicious as he knows that Ivanova prefers to make phone calls for important orders rather than sending an email. In Brown Sector, Ivanova is still trying to reason with the Drazi when Garibaldi talks his way into the area and knocks out the Drazi who are guarding Ivanova. Yeah, he he distracts the Drazi guard so that she can escape. Yeah. If we're perfectly honest about what happens. Veer, after this, goes to see Londo, uh-huh. who is now the cheat during a light switch rave. All of his smart devices have been hacked and a <laughs> hollow demon is consuming all of his data and buying cryptocurrency. Yeah. He, he owns that NFT spoo ranch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, you know, the way he says it, that he's just now got 200,000 shares in a spoo ranch. He says it like it's a bad thing, but from what I can tell in this show, people seem to like spoo, right? Yeah. So this seems like it could be a good investment, right? I think he hates spoo and Jakar loves spoo. And that's enough. Mm. Okay. Okay. I get that. I also love the way that we in the 90s conveyed hacking with like yeah. the, the computer screen that's being chomped up by something. <laughs> Pipe the planet! And, you know, we're now piping. You know how hard it is to do that? <laughs> if I was a hacker, I am absolutely, obviously I'm not going to be because that's a lot of hard work. Um, but if I was a hacker, I would put this in all my programs. I want something that is visually chewing up your screen to make you panic. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Lando, 20 episodes ago, I told you your password sucked and this is what happens. Yeah. He obviously didn't change that. Clearly. 
Um, and I have to, of course, do my my due diligence here and uh, register a personal objection to how everyone considers opera a torture device. <laughs> Narn opera. Yeah. But I think that in Star Trek, we get Klingon opera played that way sometimes, too. Yes. Although there are real Klingon operas. Did you know that? Well, yes, there are Klingon operas, and then there are also uh, human operas translated into Klingon and then performed. Yeah, when I, I Googled like just Klingon opera because I was looking for like a good clip mm -hmm. of somebody complaining about Klingon opera. And <laughs> one came up that some that someone premiered back in 2017. They wrote a whole Klingon opera. And I was like, yep, going to have to look at that later. <laughs> <laughs> so Veer suggests that the radical solution to all this, that Londo apologize. And Londo refuses, but the hollow demon kills the lights and buys a bunch of Dogecoin forcing him to reconsider. After this, Ivanova and Garibaldi plan to keep the Purple Drazi locked up for a cycle, mm -hmm. which they thought was a week, but <laughs> it's a year. Gosh, can you imagine if if election stuff lasted a whole year, Jaffair? Uh, can you imagine how horrible that would be? <laughs> or, or longer in some cases. Yeah. And if it happened every couple of years, wouldn't that be just awful? It sounds completely emotionally draining. Uh -huh. <laughs> American politics. She tries defending flags meaning more than sashes, which the mm -hmm. Drazi laugh at, which I appreciated. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. She pulls the sash and becomes green leader. I loved this when he's like, yeah, caught up in committee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Combat rules predate first contact. <laughs> yes i was like no that's the realest thing anybody ever said about bureaucracy yeah. isn't it <laughs> yep so her solution is just to dye all green sashes purple mm -hmm. just all drowsy on the station will be purple drowsy and they're not going to worry about it now so this is fun but i was like wouldn't the conflict flare up again if new drowsy arrive so someone's yes. got to warn space tsa and they've got to give space tsa the green sash so that, you know, random TSA agent can be like, look, I'm green leader here and you're purple now. <laughs> <laughs> Lando goes to the techno mages to apologize. Mm -hmm. And he's terrified of the monster Veer did give a fuck about. Yeah. <laughs> and Lando leaves with some baby demons on his back. Yeah, it seems like the apology is accepted. But I think Lando he did great when he said i apologize but then he went tried to go back to business again and i think mm -hmm. if he just hadn't said that sentence about maybe when you're back you can we can do business he didn't he probably wouldn't have got those little demons yeah yeah safe to say garibaldi decides to go back to work after enabling ivanova to rescue herself sheridan goes to cnc as the techno mages leave but at space tsa lando is informed he is done paying for this mistake, but there are others he will not be rid of. Mm -hmm. Alric tells Lando he will be responsible for billions of deaths. He cannot steer him from this course if he kills him, someone else will replace him. So there is nothing he can do. Mm, so sinister. Yep. Ugh. All right. Yep. It's time for that, that rating scale. On, on a scale of Babylon one to five, how did you feel about this episode? Okay, these these two episodes, because we have 
uh, a good one coming up next too, I think. We're tough, but I consider this one a Babylon 4. Yeah. I really like Michael Ansara's portrayal of the Technomages, and I like the idea of Technomages. I'm really into that, like, this is such advanced science that it appears to be magic idea. Mm -hmm. That really vibes with me. Um, Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. And I thought that the gravity and mystery that he brought to it and, you know, even just his voice was very majestic. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was very sold on that. We get some great Londo development in that, you know, he totally brushes off something very important that Veer says it had a lot of foreshadowing in it, even though it seemed like it's just Stephen first babbling for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought that was great writing. The drowsy purple and green thing is obviously very memorable because we both wanted it to be somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we, we were, were very ready, ready for, it. for this episode last season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, this on that writing scale and the guest actor we got and a lot of that, I was just like, yeah, this is up in four territory for me. I'm not. I agree up- completely, but I think it's a five. Oh, you put this at five. I cannot think of a bad thing to say about this episode. I love every bit of this episode. It's excellent development for a lot of the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of season one was very Sinclair heavy. And a lot of the supporting characters who are main characters really didn't get as much time, I feel, in season one as they do in later seasons. And this is a big turn for that. Yeah. Like Sinclair's in like five seconds of this episode. Like you could tell me this was a, uh, did I say, say the wrong name? Captain John Sheridan. You, you did. Yeah. Sheridan's in like five seconds of this episode. You could tell mm-hmm. me that this is like one of those Star Trek episodes where one of the actors directed it. And so they're not in it at all. And I would believe mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Because that's how little he's in this episode. And that's great. We need to see what's going on with everyone else. Everyone else matters. And to have two of these first four episodes be so heavy about him, Mm -hmm. I really appreciated the break that this one offers to give other characters more time to develop and also gives us more screen time with them to show how they're reacting to all of the crazy shit that happened in the season finale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I respect your five choice. A plot was excellent. B plot was excellent. Mm-hmm. Everything was there for me. I love this episode. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, what's the one that we have coming up next? We've got season two, episode four, A Distant Star. An explorer friend of Captain Sheridan's tells more stories of strange activities out on the rim. The mysterious shadows threaten Sheridan's fighter ships. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I'm looking forward to that one. Me too. Thank you very much for listening to this episode and thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our theme music. Thank you to angry duck time machine for providing the art we use for our podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, anything you want to throw at us, you own the Babylon five board game. What are those seven words? Shoot us an email at <laughs> who are you B five at gmail.com. And of course, if you would like to join the discord, you can get our discord link from us at that email or on our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. All right. Have a good week. See you next time.
and it's magic. If the main theme is groovy, Garibaldi cheer up with an old time movie.